it's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Oh. Is she dead? Yes. Why didn't she kill you? She was trying to get information from me. What sort of information? She wanted to know who I worked for. She wanted to know about you. Of course she did. Why are you crying? Because it hurts or because you were stupid enough to care for her? These people don't deserve our sympathies. Need I remind you what they did the last time you thought with your heart instead of your gun? You used that to recruit me into killing for you. You want to protect your friends or not, Saeed? I have another name for you. But they know I'm after them now. To another episode of We Have to Go Back, The Lost Revisited, as we continue on with our journey into the fourth season of the series. I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. This week we return with our discussion of season four, episode three, The Economist. And I wasn't a part of last week's, uh, not last week's, but just last episode. Yeah, it's it's been a little while since we've put out a new episode, but there's uh, been a bunch that's been going on both in both of our lives. So, mm-hmm. you know, apologies for that. And it's it doesn't seem like it's getting to be any less. So we're trying, <laughs> we're trying our best to keep it fit in. This is a very carved in schedule today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we, we we've mapped out a plan now for scheduled days to hopefully keep doing this weekly again, get back to doing this every week and we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed that we can do it. But Definitely. it's been, you know, I do have to say it's been nice. I've gotten a number of messages on Facebook and things like that from people asking when we're coming back. And oh, so that's nice. So we've been missed. And I know you and I haven't had the opportunity to talk as much as we usually do, but with everything going on, I mean, you've got remote schooling with your kids and you're, you're back to work and I'm working as much as I can. And just, yeah. Yeah. And you know, the reason why I didn't record last time is just because we needed to get a new episode out and my family and I had to say goodbye to our family dog. And that was devastating for us. So we spent a couple of weeks just kind of healing from that. That's the first time that my kids had ever really experienced anything uh, traumatic like that. So I appreciate, um, Des and Steve stepping in and, uh, taking over. Yeah. And they were, they were a blast. They were, they were a lot of fun to have on and we, uh, forgive the, the crude, uh, 
phrasing, but we we popped Dez's podcasting cherry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I wasn't there. I'm so mad. You know, what's so funny about that, too, is like Dez is, you know, as, as part of a group, um, he's friends with a lot of other podcasters and somehow he's never been asked to be on a podcast before. And I did it and he seemed kind of taken back by it. And he did great. Like, I don't know why nobody has asked him to do he it He is hilarious. He's insightful. He's such a, oh gosh, I love Des so much. Des, come back when I am here, please. Pick an episode. You, you just pick an episode. Pick an episode, please. I'll, t- I'll take, a, I'll take a, a break. And I'll just sit in the background and let you two do all the discussion of the episode. Oh, well, we're just going to talk about sweet hot Skittles and uh, <laughs> debate between LeBron James and uh, Kobe Bryant. <laughs> uh, so before we jump into the episode, I do want to say one thing um, that's very important right now. I'm sure you're probably tired of hearing it at this point, but I feel like it's it's our responsibility to mention it as well. At the time we're recording this, it is the end of October. We are less than a week away from election day. Um, I don't want to say vote for this person or vote for that person. I simply want to say vote. Just mm-hmm. make sure you do your job and get out there and vote. If you haven't mailed in your mail-in ballots already, uh, go and drop them off at a ballot box. If you plan on getting to the polls, make sure you get there. Like it's, This is such an important election right now, uh, especially with everything going on in our country. Make your voice heard November 3rd. Go out and vote and reach out, you know, reach out if if you can't get to the polls or if you need somebody to drop it off for you. If your state allows for that, like make that a plan. If uh, there's a lot of people right now that if you're standing in line and you take a picture and you use a hashtag, they'll bring you pizza while you wait in line. Mm -hmm. People people are encouraging you to vote. They're offering services for free to get you to the polls. So take them up on it. There's no shame in any of this right now. Just get out there and vote and do your uh, your civic duty. And if you live in Wisconsin, go hand in your vote right now. Press pause or stick your phone in your pocket and just take your ballot and go right now and and hand it in. Please, please I- do that for me. My, my 40th birthday is election day. And I would like it if everybody who has any positive yay feelings for me as a birthday present, please go vote. I, I wouldn't even limit that to Wisconsin. I'd say anybody who just has not mailed in their ballot yet. Don't don't wait. Find a ballot box. Go drop it off. Find yeah. find a place that will accept it, whether it's a ballot box or a polling place with people there. Just go drop it off. Do it now and make and sure it's you. counted. Yes, exactly. Uh, again, I, again, I, we're not telling you who to vote for it. Just make sure you vote. And that's, but if you'd like me to, I'll tell you exactly who to vote for. <laughs> oh, we, we both have strong opinions about that. Similar yeah. strong opinions. So it's not yeah. like we're, we're on opposite ends of that, but yeah, let's, let's talk about loss. We haven't done it for a while. So I feel like we, we need to, we need to jump back into this. Yes. Um, so just to start off for anybody who has not listened to us before, this is a spoiler full podcast. So a lot of times we talk about the future, the sideways, the up, the down, the upside down. Um, so if you are not into that, if you haven't, if this is your first watch, then 
go watch it all and come back and join us here. Yes. I'm so glad you did that, too, because I, I made it a point to make sure we start bringing that spoiler alert back. And well, I'm on it. I've had it, my that... coffee. I've had my coffee. I... <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way to do it. And you know, what's funny, too, is, you know, our, our viewer, our listeners aren't going to be able to see it. I actually have like a full page of like bullet points for yeah, this I have episode. A legal pad too. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually have a good amount of points to uh, I just keep bullet points as I usually do. But I. I got a good, there's a good amount of stuff that we, we need to discuss in this well, I gotta episode. Give, I haven't podcasted in weeks, so I've got to shake off some dust here. So if I'm not on my A game, I apologize and I'll get better with uh, with some practice. That's cool. That's fine. I'm, I'm sure, you know, you're forgiven. It's like riding a bike. Like you never forget how to podcast. Mm. Well, that's not true. It's there are also some people who never learn how to podcast and yet they still continue to do it. Um, we're not mentioned any names. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so let's um, talk about The Economist. Hey, this is a Saeed episode. Yes, it is. Flash forward. What are you what are you silencing me for? No, no, I was just going to say <laughs> I have um, in regards to podcasting, I have a cool event coming up next month that okay. I just want people to stick around after the discussion for me to tell them about. Okay, stick That's around. All. Let's yeah. talk about Saeed's episode now, yes, The Economist. Let's, let's do that. With his beautiful Brazilian <laughs> blown out hair in, in the flash forward. He, his hair game in this episode is on point, man. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> he's uh, he's styling and profiling in, Bra in, in not Brazil, um, Berlin. In, in Berlin. Mm -hmm. I had Brazil on the mind because you called it a Brazilian... Hairdo. Yeah, but even but even on the island, I mean, his curly hair and the way that it is naturally is also really excellent. But when you see it like all blown out, you're just like, OK, all right, buddy, you yeah. got some money. Yeah, clearly you've got some money now. <laughs> well, I mean, we do find out about that, which, you know, we'll get to in a moment. But, you know, I think first and foremost, one of the most important things we learn at the beginning of this episode is that Saeed is indeed the fourth member of the Oceanic Six. Yes, that has been revealed. We had Jack and Kate uh, that were revealed during the season finale of season three, Hurley in the season premiere. And now Saeed has been revealed as the next member, which I'm really glad that he said to, he said to uh, Mr. Avellino. Is it Mr. Avellino? I think it's Avellino. Yes. Oh, gosh, I miss Avellino. I know that's um, what made me remember the name. Yeah, I very much. If Avellino is listening, I miss you. Um so he tells Mr. Avellino that he is in the Oceanic Six, which is very interesting because at the end of this episode, we see that he his handler is Ben. Mm -hmm. And way to jump right to the end on that one. But that's good. That's fine. Well, yeah, I'm going to do that <laughs> Okay. Um, because I because I, I just I think it's interesting because we know that Ben is not a part of the Oceanic Six. Um. And so they make a point of making sure that the viewer knows that Saeed is a part of the Oceanic Six and it's not going to be like some covert thing in a flash forward with Ben because mm. well, we see I'm all of Ben's um, passports and stuff. Well, as a viewer, though, we don't know yet that Ben is not a member of the Oceanic Six. All it's always revealed is that Ben is Saeed's boss and that Ben is indeed off the island. 
Um, it's not revealed yet at this point as a first time viewer that Ben is not one of the Oceanic Six. I don't think anybody is going to assume that he is because he's in the dark. He's in the shadows. He's not. I, I don't know. I, I'd be interested to know if uh, if you could assume that he's in the Oceanic Six or not, judging by this episode. Well, I, I, then that's just it. I mean, it's not revealed until the very end that, that Ben is the, the the man in the dark and, you know, the the boss uh, of whatever Saeed is doing. So you could assume that he is one of the Oceanic Six. You could not assume that he's one of the Oceanic Six. He He's not on the manifest of the Oceanic Six. So if he were to come back with them, people, and he called himself Ben Linus, obviously people would know he's not one of the Oceanic Six. Oh, that's a very good point. But it also doesn't mean he couldn't take up another name. I mean, he was Henry Gale when we first met him. You look at one of the passports that's in there, um, and he goes by the name Dean Moriarty, which I'll get to a little bit later in the discussion. So you could very much assume at this point as a first-time viewer, maybe he did claim to be one of the Oceanic Six. Okay, fair enough. It's just not revealed yet. Fair enough. So... Um, but yeah, I mean, we get, uh, you know, Saeed on the golf course. And I love the fact that one of the first times we see B- uh, Saeed in the flash forward is he's playing golf, mm-hmm. which we know where he got his golf game from. <laughs> and that's because of Hurley creating the golf course yeah. on the island. I mean, you don't think that you don't think that he played golf before that? He was an Iraqi soldier. When did he have time for golf? He was also an assassin, wasn't he? No, I don't think he became the assassin until after he got off the island. I don't I don't think he was an assassin before that, was he? I thought he was, but I could be wrong. I, uh, I could I'm be wrong too. a lot. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not that. So, but yeah, I love the fact that um Saeed's practicing his golf game that he took up on the island, or at least honed on the island. We'll say yes. That. There you go. We'll say that. I did have one issue with that scene, though. Okay. If there are two men out and play out playing golf, yeah. Why would they turn the sprinklers on if they know players are on the course? Like, I feel like that was an artistic thing that the the producers and the director did. Like, let's amp up this dramatic scene of Saeed walking away from his kill and turn the sprinklers on. But why would the golf course turn the sprinklers on if people are actively out playing golf on this course? Um, that, that, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, in all honesty with Ben at, in, in the shadows on this one, it could, could have been timed. It could have been, you know, there could have been a trigger. There could have been something. Um, but yeah, that is, that is a, that, that is a good point. That's, I mean, it's just a small little nitpick of which I have two this episode. Um, mm-hmm. That being the first one, it has nothing to do with the story. It doesn't affect the story at all. It mm-hmm. just kind of confused me a little bit. And I'm like, wait a minute, why are the sprinklers turning on? Mm-hmm. Like, that just yeah. doesn't make sense to me. So, I don't know. Um, where, do, where, where do you want to go? I mean, there's a number of places. Yeah, so, oh, gosh. Um well, let's stay with Saeed for a little bit and let's stay with that golf game. I, I love the fact that we knew, uh, I, you know what? I want to speak for you. I knew immediately when Saeed said, I'm a headhunter, what that really meant. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. So you automatically, you know, Saeed is not there to play golf. 
Well, what? Well, but here's the thing, though. I think these are two different environments. I think wherever he was playing golf is not in in Berlin. I think Berlin was his next stop after that target. But you're right. When he told Elsa that he was a headhunter, mm -hmm. we knew he he's not there searching for an employee. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he also told he also said he was a headhunter to Mr. Avellino. Oh, did he? Okay, I missed it. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Yeah. He said, I'm a headhunter. Um, and did he say the same thing to Elsa? He see, and that's what I'm confused. I don't think he said that to Avellino. I think he was there. I think he told Avellino he was he came into a large settlement because of Oceanic Six. I, oh, I don't he think did. He said he lives off of a substantial settlement he received yeah. from Oceanic Airlines. Yeah, he never told Mr. Avellino he was a headhunter. That's what you're he right. Told, that's what he told Elsa in Berlin. See, this is why I need to have detailed notes. <laughs> but but you are you are right. As a viewer, we knew full well what he meant by headhunter was completely different from what he told Elsa as a headhunter. Mm -hmm. Because as we learned by the end of that episode, her boss is his target. Okay. So was was her boss his target? I'm pretty sure it was. So Elsa was wearing that bracelet. Yes, she was. And Naomi was wearing that bracelet. Yes, she was. And we see Naomi in the past. Uh, so there's no answers about this bracelet, right? I've looked it up. I've tried to research it. So this is, I'm running on a theory here. In the past, we saw Naomi having a brief with her boss about whatever op mission that she was going on to the island. And she was taking people that were not trained to go onto the island. And they all obviously had their own agendas here, but Naomi had her own agenda. So with that in mind, you could maybe reasonably say that Elsa's bracelet and Naomi's bracelet are, are both a part of whatever ops group they were with. And maybe Elsa was the target because of Naomi coming to the island since Ben is the one that is handling whatever Saeed is doing. See, I took it a little differently. I took it as okay. in I took it as in Naomi and Elsa had the same boss. And that's yes. who well, but because it was Naomi's boss, it was their boss that sent Naomi to the island. Right. After Ben. Right. Ben was now reciprocating and going after the boss, which he did through Elsa. So I think Elsa's boss was indeed the next target. I I don't know because he would wouldn't he have taken the pager with him? Wouldn't he have completed that mission and killed the economist and then go and then to go off and get himself patched up by Ben after being shot? I, that could just be a story. It could just be a story flaw. Um, I mean, because a pager is a one way device, so. You know, all all it could be that was a just, pretty big pager. I mean, it probably had words on it. But but again, it's still a one way device, right? Uh, you know, it's not like he could answer it unless it was given a phone number. Um, you know, so I mean, and if this boss is as cunning as we're led to believe, with everything going on with how you know the the whole you know, project to send Naomi and all these people to the island, who's to say that they didn't speak in code? 
And without Elsa, you, there's no way to crack the code. So the pager is useless. Maybe. Maybe. Again, Said Said is so is so resourceful that I think he can do anything. So it, and again, <laughs> it's it's simply speculation, right? Uh, and it's led up to you know however you want to perceive it. So and as we're showing right now, we perceive this situation in two different ways. You think that Elsa was the target. I kind of believe that Elsa's boss was the target. And you know maybe I I did like the fact that you know it wasn't that that Elsa was in on it that Elsa. Like that was a surprise. Well, because, and here's the other thing that leads me to believe that Elsa was not the target and her boss was the target. Saeed is smart. He's incredibly smart. I don't think he would have allowed himself to fall for the target. I think he fell for Elsa while pursuing the target, which is why he was so distraught in the fact that he ended up killing her in the end. Because I don't think that was ever the intention. I don't think Saeed, as smart as he is, would have allowed himself to fall for Elsa if Elsa was the target. If he fell for her at all. I think he did. I'm pretty sure by the end he did. Because even when he's getting patched up and by Ben, and Ben is like Ben says, like, you know, and I'm glad I brought this up because this is another thing I had I was questioning that I was hoping maybe you would have some insight on because I don't. Um when he's getting patched up by Ben and Ben, you know, asks him, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, you know, what are the tears for Are the tears for Elsa or, you know, are they for something else? And then he says to him, don't you remember the last time you thought with your heart instead of your gun? Or don't you remember what happened the last time you thought with your heart instead of your gun? What is he referring to? Well, because I don't remember. Is it something we haven't seen yet? Is it Shannon? Oh, maybe it is Shannon. But no, but why would that be in, thinking with his heart instead of his gun? Well, with Shannon, so with Shannon, they they had had that big moment. They had, you know, just spent the night together. They were walking back. The danger was down or his his danger meter was down and somebody was running through the jungle. If he had been paying attention or or if his... Um, senses had been heightened a little bit, maybe he would have been able to save Shannon from being shot um, when they came upon Anna Lucia. Maybe. Well, oh. I, I, I and then think, I don't, didn't he, didn't, he kill, he, Aunt, didn't he kill Anna Lucia? No, that was Michael. No, that was Michael. Yeah. He, his, his, I mean, his guard, I agree. His guard was down because he was, he was with Shannon. He was in a vulnerable moment, but Shannon ran off on her own and he went to chase her. And she was caught by Anna Lucia. There wasn't, he didn't sense anybody in, in the jungle. So that's why I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know if it would be, it's very possible he could be referencing Shannon, but it just made me think like, is there something that happens in upcoming episodes that we just don't remember? I, I don't think there is because I think, I, I think this is the last time we see Saeed on the island. If I remember correctly, I think this is the last time we see Saeed on the island. No, it's not. No, I'm, I'm thinking something totally different. Saeed dies in the sub in the last season. That's not. Okay, so, yeah. so I, I was just, thinking I, he blew up with the freighter, and that's Michael, not. Saeed. So I just had to look this up because this was bothering me. And on on the on the wiki, it said through this event with a with a hyperlink to it, and it took me to the episode "The Shape of Things to Come," which is the ninth episode of season four. 
And it's Ben is forced to make a choice, blah, 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 blah. Flash forward show the origins of Ben's manipulation of Saeed and a hostile confrontation with Charles Widmore. Okay, so it is something we haven't seen yet. That, yes. It's something that hasn't come up yet. In the so episode. I'm okay. totally wrong, but I still like my, uh, I still like my answer. No, that's, that's, <laughs> a, that's a good theory. I mean, again, you're right. I mean, even in that situation, he, you're right. He let his guard down with Shannon, um, you know, because he was thinking with his heart. I just didn't think it was, it was fit the thinking with his heart instead of his gun. Uh, possibility but again getting back to my original point I, you know with Elsa I I just don't think Saeed would have allowed himself to fall for Elsa if Elsa was the target I think he was purely using Elsa to get to her boss because he had maybe am- I hope so he had ample opportunity to kill Elsa um, you know in dates with her and sleeping with her like he had ample opportunity I mean That's look true. at Look at Ava- Mr. Avellino. He just took a shot on a golf course. Like he had ample opportunity to kill Elsa. You're right. Elsa was the target. You're absolutely right. So you're totally right. Cause I actually said, um, I said Elsa and Saeed and the double cross bracelet. Who was Saeed really after? So you've answered that. See, this is what I'm telling you. My podcast <laughs> brain, my podcast brain is just mush right now. But it's so not, I mean, it's, it's great. Cause I can now cross off that, that uh, like, I have three lines of my notes I can automatically cross off with Elsa's bracelet, uh, Saeed's <laughs> boss, and last time you thought with your head instead of your gun. Um, oh, I can I can pass off. Uh, well, no, I'll I'll I was gonna cross off the Dean Moriarty, but we'll get to that because there's a little bit more to that. I actually researched that name. Oh Dean yeah, Moriarty. Um, there's a nice little uh, the uh, the research was afoot. No, well, no, no, no. Dean Moriarty is not from Sherlock Holmes. Moriarty is. Moriarty is, but Dean Moriarty actually, you know, we'll just get into it now. Let's just get into it now. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just get into it now. Um, so Dean Moriarty actually is another literary character, but it's not Sherlock Holmes. Um, Dean Moriarty is one of the protagonists in Jack Kerouac's novel On the Road. Uh, and I'll read you. There's a little bit of a synopsis to Dean's character. Excuse me. Uh, Dean grew up in Colorado with a hobo bum for a father whom he searches uh, for whom he searches on many occasions. Dean's fanatic personality races from journey to journey and pulls other people along. His various Mm. his various fixations include drugs, women, intellectualism, and finally, his father and family life. His marriage and divorce with Camille and Mary Lou and his last affair with Inez. These are the characters in the book are a few mm-hmm. examples of his romantic entanglements. Um, so I find it very interesting that Ben chooses a lot of his alter egos off of literary characters. Henry Gale is from The Wizard of Oz. Dean Moriarty is from On the Road. And Dean Moriarty, if you if you compare it to that synopsis, it, it kind of fits in many ways, um, you know, racing from journey to journey and pulling others along fixations with his father and his father, who was kind of a hobo bum. And you look at, um, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Workman and he he was a drunk. I mean, he, he was a bum. So there's a lot of comparisons to as you, why you can see why Ben might have used this name, Dean Moriarty. Well, I also think that it really goes to Ben's uh, upbringing and his the kind of like the central heart of his character because he was raised with a father who hated him. Um, Mm. 
and he probably all he did, his, his escape was probably books. I mean, when, when they were going, who was it that, that was in his hidden room in front of his hidden room? <clears throat> was it Locke? Was it Saeed? It, well, Saeed's the one that discovers the, the room with the passports and the money. Okay. So that bookshelf, you know, has a copy of the Holy Quran on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the entire bookshelf really is a testament to how much he reads. Right. Oh yeah. I, I mean, you, I, I, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think when Ben was a kid, his escape was into books. And right. I'm sure so, of that's, course he chooses literary characters. And that's something we're probably, we probably should keep an eye on going further into this season into next, because we're going to see a lot more of, of young Ben when yeah. we, once the, the show does the time jump backwards. So that's something yeah. for us to keep an eye on is how often is he reading? And Saeed and young Ben actually have a, a history. Yeah. Ben, yeah. Ben and Saeed. A significant alone. history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it goes a lot further back than we yeah. even imagined at this point. Um, so, I know that there was the episode where they were reading Carrie. Were they reading Carrie with the book club when the plane crashed? Uh, it was a Stephen King book. I th- I want to say yes. I think it was Carrie. I don't but, remember. Yeah. Yeah. But it was um, I remember that entire episode was full of literary uh, nods to that specific book. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I think that the writers really take um, a lot of clever, clever ways of, of integrating classic literature with this show and, and weaving a really nice story. So. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you look at, I mean, I have literary tie-ins to this show are, are fantastic. There are, I'm, I'm sure there are so many that we haven't even come across um, in episodes that we've already talked about. I mean, mm-hmm. and you look at the fact that this is a show that even produced a book. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, it, it, this is a show that even produced its own book as part of the merch for this show, a book that I have. And, you know, a book that we, I think our buddy Steve um, either won or, or he ordered, I think he ordered a copy for himself. I can't remember, but I, I'm pretty sure Steve has it. Um yeah, so it's it. You're right. The literary references throughout the the run of the show are are great, and I'd be curious to see if there's any kind of references out there that lists all of them, because I'm sure the list would be long. That'd be oh uh, well. It it is. It looks like it is. Um, on the wiki, there is a wiki that says literary works. So I'm sure that if we were to go, if, I'm sure if I were to click over to that, that we could um, yeah. see the whole list. There'd be a lot. I do want to say, though, I'm I'm glad you caught the other Moriarty, too, because I do think there probably is a double meaning between that name. You know, Dean Moriarty is a little more specific to, to the on the road. But you look at, you know, the Moriarty character from Sherlock Holmes, which Sherlock Holmes is one of my all time favorite book series. Like, I mm-hmm. love the Sherlock Holmes stories. And Moriarty is, in fact, like the ultimate protagonist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at antagonist, antagonist, sorry. Um, 
you know, how incredibly intelligent Moriarty is. Mm-hmm. And Moriarty was a character who was mentioned in many Sherlock Holmes books, but you don't meet him at all until the final book. You know, Moriarty was a was a ultimate antagonist who stayed in the shadows throughout the one 90 the one case he couldn't crack. Yeah. And <laughs> that actually ultimately led to what is believed to be Sherlock Holmes's death. To people who don't know the story of Sherlock Holmes, um, whether or not the final encounter between Sherlock and Moriarty, it's left a mystery as to whether Sherlock survived because there are no books after it. Oh, I love that. It's, it's and it's, I, it's just, gonna be insanely frustrating oh you know what that's <laughs> that that lack of a conclusion is very reminiscent to what people feel for lost yeah that's that's very very true <laughs> that's that's very very true i mean and that's honestly that is one of the reasons why i love the, if i know it's kind of a tangent but if you've never read the sherlock holmes books um you can get them in a collection like all together is one they're fantastic reads and that is ultimately one of the reasons why i do love that series is because moriarty is such an engaging character who you don't even meet until the end yeah um and in many ways he's kind of like the shark in jaws like you Mm -hmm. don't see the shark until the end of the movie right but he's the villain throughout the entire thing he's the you know moriarty is the mastermind behind many of sherlock's cases and Sherlock doesn't meet him until the end and ultimately quite possibly led to his death. So, Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So a, a nod to you for picking up on the Moriarty double meaning for that. Well, uh, I am a genius. So, well, that's why I picked you as my co-host for this. They, they do call me a, uh, a regular Sherlock <laughs> Holmes of the podcast <laughs> world. <laughs> Nobody says that. <laughs> Um, I'm going to jump into my other nitpick and then we'll see, we'll go from there. I'll let you take it from there. Um, see where it takes us. My other nitpick of this episode is in the very beginning of the episode and, uh, it's kind of a two part nitpick and it involves Naomi. Um, in the beginning of the episode where we see, you know, Naomi and lying on the cot, uh, dead, we see Jack, we see Kate, we see Juliet, and we see Saeed. And obviously, we see, uh, you know, Daniel and Ben. Everybody's kind of got their own things going on. And Saeed is the one that approaches Naomi, Naomi's body. As he is approaching Naomi's body, this is the nitpick, Naomi's eyes are closed. And it's not until you see the shot of, Na- of Saeed standing over Naomi that her eyes are open. This is my other second part of this. This entire time that Naomi has been dead, carrying her body from where it was, nobody bothered to close her eyes until now. That's creepy. <laughs> You're carrying a dead body whose eyes are open. This That's creepy. It also might even kind of, kind of uh, speculate or, or um, lend to the fact that these these people on the island have become so desensitized by death and and human life at this point that Saeed is the only one that actually thinks to do something like that. Everybody's so, I mean, you, you look at kind of what's going on after Naomi dies and you've got people that are arguing about what to do over her body. They're walking around, they're leaving her. Like there is a dead body on the floor of somebody that you had 
had conversations with somebody that you actually knew granted for a, a short period of time, but you knew her and everybody is just like, have they kind of disassociated themselves from her. And then, you know, Saeed, Saeed is somebody who has experienced a lot of death. He's got a lot of respect for, for death and for human life. And it does make sense that he would be the first one to think of doing something like that. Yeah, I mean, he he's probably experienced more death than anybody on that entire island. And he's the one at that, his hand. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, and, you know, you make mention that, like, this is somebody that you knew, albeit temporarily, like not only that, but in many ways, you are irresponsibly responsible for her death. And yet you couldn't think to give her the respect to cover her body or close her right. eyes. Right. You know, you're right. That is showing a major desensit- uh, being majorly desensitized to death at this point. Um, it's kind of like, OK, like this happened. Let's move on. And yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of. Uh, yeah. So I, I do like it that, you know, it seems that he's meditating or he's praying and he could even be praying for Naomi in that moment because it, it it's interesting that this is probably the first episode and. I can be wrong, but it's, I think it's the first episode that we open on a closed eye and not an open eye because his uh, eyes are closed and then it comes out and his eyes eventually open and mm-hmm. he goes over and he shuts um, Naomi's eyes. Yeah. You could be right. That, that could be the case. Um, so yeah, I just, I just found that oddly weird. Uh, you know, that nobody I mean, but you you put a good point on it that that's probably why it didn't happen is because this group is just so desensitized to death at this point that it's unless well, and, it, unless and it's I guess, one of them. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, different. maybe I don't know. I mean, has this group lost its humanity because it's fractured? I, I mean, even I Hurley Hurley double crossed. um Saeed? Yeah, Her- Hurley double-crossed Saeed. Saeed and, tricked- and Kate, yep. Yeah, and tricked them into uh, going into Locke's trap. I don't I don't necessarily think they're, they've lost their humanity. I mean, let's remember that it's only been a day or two since, tr- since they just found out about Charlie. And they were very sad about Charlie. So I, I think maybe Charlie's death was kind of the point like maybe the straw that broke the camel's back like i i don't, I don't know. know i don't know because i mean Locke has been Locke has been gone for a while you know they've been dealing with this ben situation for a while they were they were divided on whether or not to go and meet up with this plane um or the radio uh, to, to get the radio signal going you know, mm. I just think that there's a lot there's a lot that's been going on up until this point. And, you know, Jack and Locke not being able to come together on anything ultimately has fractured the group and has made people seem more important than they probably are. And, um, you know, I think that that kind of chips away at your humanity a little bit. And it and it's very apparent that the group has fractured because half of them want to leave and half of them want to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just there. there's so many elements. I mean, we, we do get a little bit of Hurley kind of pulling back. Uh, 
you know, when when they have Charlotte and Hurley's kind of like, well, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this. We're kind of seeing Hurley's maybe a little bit of regret at this point. This is where the regret begins of him siding with Locke over Jack. But at the same time, as you mentioned, Hurley betrays them like he he turns on them. You know, and we're led this to believe that really... that wasn't the case. Yeah. And you know what? I think that this is something that that is maybe glossed over because of the rest of the story. Hurley has a giant misstep in this ep- in this episode. I mean, he tricks his friends. He's realized he's made a mistake. He's he can't stick up for himself. He was very uh, in in confronting how he felt to lock. He stammered, you know, he pulled back a little bit. Like you said, he betrayed his friends. I, I think he's a little all over the place. And, you know, Locke, who is very mentally weak, somehow realizes that he can take advantage of that because he knows that Hurley is universally liked and he, and he seizes that opportunity. Well, I, I think you're right. I think, I think Hurley is a little confused. And I think he's, I think at this point, this is one of the weakest moments we've seen Hurley at. I, 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 agree, I agree with that. Um, he's very easily, I mean, we're just coming off, like I said, after Charlie's, after Charlie's death, not maybe a couple days ago at this point in the timeline, this is the same Hurley, you know, we saw Hurley was the one that came forward and said, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for Charlie. Like he's Mm -hmm. standing up and he's becoming the leader that I've been saying for episodes. He really is of this entire group, but you're right in such a short period of time, we're seeing Hurley at his weakest and most manipulable, if that's a word. It's a word. Um, most, I've decided yeah. it's a word. Okay, all right, then it works. <laughs> yeah, we'll add it to the, we have to go back dictionary. Um, so yeah, I, you're right. It's it's definitely a big change in Hurley in just a matter of a couple days. Yeah. Um, I do want to say too, at the same time, my cabin theory has been proven false. If you remember from the last episode that you were on uh, two, two episodes ago, I, I had the theory of what if it's the cabin that's not moving, but it's the people that are moving to the cabin. Like the cabin is stationary and the island brings the people to the cabin. But mm. that was misproven. That was disproved in this episode because Locke comes across the salt line where the cabin was. So unless the island is moving the salt line with the people, or the ash line, whatever it is, Salter Ash. Um, it is indeed the cabin that is moving and not the people moving to the cabin. Mm-hmm. So, but in that scene, uh, you know, there, there's something really, really dynamic that happens in that scene because we're, we're seeing, you know, John is obviously looking for the cabin so that he can find Jacob or whoever the mystery man is inside the cabin. And when he comes across that ash line looking for the cabin and the cabin is there, that's the moment. There's almost a moment right then and there where you can see Ben get a little bit of his power back because he's starting to realize there are cracks in John's armor now because he even says it. John's looking for someone to tell him what to do next. Mm-hmm. And when Ben says that out loud, that's the moment that John kind of in the back of his mind says, okay, I have to put on a front. I have to make it seem like I know what I'm doing mm-hmm. because if I don't, they're going to turn on me. 
and Ben's going to take the take the lead again. Well, they should have just gone back to the barracks anyways, and then John could have gone on a search for the cabin. I mean, he let he he lied. He he got his lies all mixed up. You know, he first, you know, he tries to get everybody to come with him for good reason. Mm-hmm. And, but then he like changes his mind and doesn't tell anybody. And he's like, well, we, we have to go and make this one stop first to the invisible cap cabin that only I can see. And Hurley and Ben. <laughs> um, but I mean, Claire has a baby, you know, there's people that have been walking for what seems like, you know, at least a day and they need to get to where you said you were going to take them. Yeah. And that's that's not leadership. That's that's this self-absorbed uh, sense of of hierarchy that, you know, Locke and Jack and Ben all seem to have right now. Well, but that's also kind of been that's kind of been like John's M.O. this entire time. Like I just feel he, like at this point it's coming to a it, it's coming to a head. You know, yeah, absolutely. all of it is coming to a head. It's like everybody has got their overinflated egos happening and clashing right now. And it's all about to explode. It's like it's that tension that you feel. It's like this frenetic energy that you feel that's kind of underlying the entire episode. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah, it's it's kind of that that situation where I mean, again, it's kind of been John's MO the whole time as he's he's kind of he has his own best interest in mind. Uh, mm-hmm. at the forefront of whatever his journey is at this time. And everybody else is just along for the ride and being fed excuses to be kept along for the ride. Um, but that's starting to kind of wear off a little bit mm-hmm. because people are starting to realize John really is only looking out for himself at this point. Um, I don't think that's entirely true. I think John would still step up to protect any of those people if it came down to it. But, you know, it's kind of like the sort of similar to, to the to the Sawyer dynamic that we discussed in the past is that Sawyer will he plays the hard ass. He does things his own way, but he'll lay down his life for any one of them if it came down to it. Mm-hmm. You know, John's kind of similar the same way he's doing. He's he's working on his best his own best interests, but he'd still protect those people if it came down to it. At least that's how I see it. Okay. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Don't know that I agree with that, but that's okay. Okay. I just feel like he's, he, one of the examples that immediately pops up is when he left Kate locked up because he said he was just going to leave. Okay. Another one is when Jack was about to leave and Locke blew up the submarine. I don't think he was trying to save anybody in that moment he was just doing what he thought he needed to do to complete his own quest and his own mission all right i can see that i i mean at the same time he wasn't he wasn't sacrificing anybody's life he didn't know journey. if they were gonna kill kate or not that's okay that's also true that's yeah i yeah i get that same with sawyer he needed his dad to die and he grabbed sawyer and he says, I need you to kill kill this man. And he didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, that's he didn't true. care as long as it brought him to the next uh, the next part of his his plan, the next part of his own journey. I just, you know, Locke is becoming increasingly um, worse at this point. You know, as Jack gets a little better, it's like that ebb and flow, right? Locke is Locke is now 
going to the dark side. It's, I mean, it's literally a scale. I mean, yeah. you're removing weight from one to put it on the other and it's, right. it's changing the balance. Yeah. And Ben is the one that's flipping the coins back and forth. <laughs> Ben's the one that's holding the two, yeah, the yeah, two yeah. sides of the scale. He's like, watch this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or you're, or you're, or you're right. Ben is the one that's moving the weights from one side right. to the other. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, I'm going to take this to put it over here. I'm going to put yeah. this over here. But Saeed, many, you can have a couple. But in many ways that is true. I mean, there really is like, there are two sides to the scale throughout the entire run of this series. And it really is basically a shifting of weight as time goes on from one side to another. And it's a constant shift. It's not just from start. It goes to this, from this side to this side by the end, it's constant. Like these, the, the balancing of this scale is up and down throughout the entire run of this series. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that makes it so dynamic and so much fun to, to watch and to talk about too. Agreed. Um, I want to mention too, since we talked a little bit about Hurley uh, and you know the the barracks, I I love the fact that Sawyer has a new nickname for Ben and it's Gizmo. Yeah, but my favorite, again, leave it to the Hurley one-liners, um, is when Miles calls Hurley Tubby, and Hurley's response was, "Oh great, the boat sent us another Sawyer." Yeah, that like, was great. <laughs> uh, like. Hurley might be a little distracted at this point, but it, his one-liners are still on point, and I love it. Yeah, I gosh. love it so much. Miles is is the worst to begin with, but I he slowly becomes one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he's he's another one that kind of is very similar to in, in tone to Juliet, where you feel one way about them when you first meet them, but by the time you get their backstory and you learn more about them, they become somebody that like is so engaging and just somebody that you learn to love. But they also kind of soften and, and lose their hard edges the longer that they're on the Island. Right. So, well, I mean, you look at miles as a prime example of that because miles was sent to this Island to do a job. That's what he has in his head to do. And he's going to be a hard ass to get it done. But when the time comes where he realizes he's stuck with these people for a while, you're right. He kind of, he softens up because yeah. he kind of has no choice, but to accept the fact that these people are going to be around. I'm going to be around these people for a while. Yeah. I might as well get used to it <laughs> because in the way that he gets stuck with those people, with some of those people, there's really no way out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. all. I love that. I love it when, when we start getting into that area. Um, what do you think? it means that Naomi has a picture of Desmond and Miles has a picture of Ben. Um, that's a great question. I, I, I think, you know, we, we learned it from, um, oh man. Oh, why it's my mind is going blank. What is the helicopter pilot's names? Um, um Fred. No, it's not Fred. Frank. 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 Frank Lapidus. Frank Lapidus. Yes. Um, you know, Frank even says, you know, Lapidus says to to somebody in this episode that Naomi was upper management, you know, and these guys are just employees. So mm -hmm. I, I think what it comes down to is that certain levels of people were told different things. Um, you know, as we're going to learn 
as well, Lapidus is there just because he felt that he he had a responsibility. He to had a responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, but again, he's on to the different levels of people that are there. I mean, even at one point when when Daniel asks him for the phone so that he can do the payload, which we'll talk about in a minute, you know, Lapidus tells him, like, if Mankowski answers, you hang up right away. Certain people are not supposed to interact with certain people on this journey. Mm -hmm. Daniel is there for science. He's not there for security. Like he, so Mankowski is security. He is not supposed to interact with Mankowski. That's why he was only supposed to talk to Regina. Mm -hmm. Lapidus told him, hang up the phone if Mankowski answers. They're two different levels of people. As we learn further on in the in the series, in the season, it is Charles Whitmore that's behind this freighter. And let's not forget, Whitmore has a connection to Desmond through Penny. So I think Naomi was given additional tasks, and that was to find Desmond. I think that Whitmore knows that Desmond was on that island. And he tasked Naomi to find Desmond. And I think it's because Whitmore probably knows that Naomi is or that uh, Penny is also looking for Desmond. And if mm. Penny finds him, they're reunited. But if Charles Whitmore finds him first, they can't be. Right. So I think Naomi was given the task to also find Desmond, whereas Daniel and Frank and Charlotte, they were just never let into that information. Because Naomi was higher up on the food chain, let's not on the management chain. Mm -hmm. So that's that's my theory, at least, as to why Naomi has the picture of Desmond and... You know, Ben has the picture of, uh, or Frank, uh, Miles has the picture of Ben. Yeah. They're okay. there for two separate tasks. Well, no, they're there for obviously four separate tasks. Yes. I, but I think, I, I think Naomi was also clued into the Ben mission. That was the main objective. But no, yeah. Well, like you said, she was upper yeah. management. She yeah. knew why everybody else was there, but they didn't know why they were ultimately there, probably. Well, I think they were there for Ben, and I think that was the ultimate mission. But Whitmore pulled Naomi aside and said, okay, while you're there, keep an eye out for this guy. Because that's her side mission. Mm hmm So. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of sets that straight a little bit. No, but no. I, I like I like our discussion. Then we'll <laughs> revisit it in uh, future weeks. Well, well, do you not agree? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I have to go back and start watching the first episode of the season and just binge it all the way through to the next episode and like just kind of re recharge my brain a little bit on it. Because this is where this all starts getting very complicated, right? The story starts getting very complex. Everybody's got their own agenda and the agendas keep changing. And then we keep finding out other, other information that further changes the story. So it's like you have to keep up with it and you have to stay almost fresh on everything in order to really talk about it from an intellectual level. And it gets and it gets complex in such a shorter amount of time, yeah. too. Because while it's it's technically 14 episodes, the finale is three episodes. Yeah. So it's really only 12. I mean, yeah. they they tell this story in 12 weeks. 
you know, it's, it's not 14. They, they tell this complicated story in only 12 weeks time compared to previous seasons where they had 22. That's like, you know, Westworld. <laughs> well, Westworld's it's whole, it's a whole other. No, story. but it's 10 episodes and it's very complex and, you know, yeah. so yeah, that's exactly. my point. Yeah. Um, I only have a couple more things on my notes. Um, we get a good objective. We get a good idea of the potential timeline at this point. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we always question how long has it been? And there's an interaction between Jack and Lapidus when they're talking about the Red Sox winning the series. And Jack says, I can't believe it's been a hundred days since, you know, I've, I've seen baseball. So we get a good idea. It's been probably about a hundred days at this point throughout the, the four seasons of this, well, three seasons and three episodes, mm -hmm. you know, of this time that it's, it's only been about a hundred days on the Island. So it's, you know, we're looking at a little over three months, maybe three and a half months at this point that they've been on that Island. Okay. So let's run with this for a second, a little over three months. Cause I, I literally, you talking about this just brought this to my brain. This is going to get us into the payload here. Okay. Okay. So our favorite Daniel Faraday, my favorite Daniel Faraday mm -hmm. on the helicopter decides he wants to, he's got some time to kill. So he's going <laughs> to, uh, he's going to do a quick science experiment because he's, he's kooky and fun. And he says, you know, get the payload, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't come. And she's like, you know, kilometers to, to target or whatever. Mm -hmm. She does the countdown. And it doesn't show up, doesn't show up for 31 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have a 31 minute time lag between the real world and the island world. So what does that really mean for how long that they've spent on the island? Well, that's a, that's a good question because that, that 31 minutes is only in that small period of time. So exactly. if, if it gets longer as time goes on, right. you're right. This three and a half months could be literally two years. Or it could world. be their three, their hundred days is really like two months or six weeks, right? If it takes longer True. to get there or no. I don't know. That's, that's why I said okay. like, it, it, I need a math person years. to tell me I need anybody that's listening. Or if you're a math person, can you break this down for us, please? Cause I'd really like to know what, what the actual time difference well, could be in this scenario. So you look at it this way. Let's uh, let me break out my calendar. So it or took about physics person. It took about how long would you say from the time she fired the payload to the time she said it arrived was maybe about, for argument's sake, let's say 30 seconds. Let's say 31 seconds. All right. So for every 31 <clears throat> seconds, there are 31 minutes. Or for every pass. second, there's a minute. So for, okay. So for every second, there's a minute. All right. So let's break this down. There are 100 days. There are 24 <laughs> hours in a day, right? Bear that's, with us. Uh, bear with us, people. <laughs> that's 2,400 minutes times 60 seconds. That's 144,000 seconds. I don't know if that's right. It's, see, uh, look, we need yeah. a physics person or a math person I'm, I'm or somebody that to, is just smarter than us. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually have to sit down and, and do the math on this. But I, even, spent, I spent college, you know, not <laughs> in class. 
divided by. <laughs> Still doing <laughs> I, it. I, you know what? I'll, I, I will make it a point to sit down and kind of try and figure out this math. Because I think and, that that's something that maybe we should talk about if we can figure it out. But it's also something that's never really addressed either. Like when we meet the Oceanic Six, I, we, we'll have to pay attention as it goes on and mm -hmm. pay attention to further flash forwards because I think it, it is in the season finale. It's not until the season finale of season four that we actually see the Oceanic Six get home. Mm -hmm. You know, we're seeing all these flash forwards, but it's not until that finale when we see them sitting behind that table in the airplane hangar with all the reporters and they make the agreement like nobody says anything. Yeah, yeah, them. yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see when we get to that finale if it's mentioned how long they've been gone. Mm-hmm to see if there is, because I honestly don't remember that. I don't remember if there is kind of weird time stuff that happens. Well, in okay, regards whole to that. show, the whole show is weird time things that happen. <laughs> oh, and it's, and it's only going to get weirder. Let's just call, let's just call the show weird time things that happen. <laughs> and again, it's only going to get weirder because we haven't even struck the mother load yet of time and how time affects these characters. Because as we mentioned earlier, Saeed's connection to Ben goes way back. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, as in like this is the when 60s. I get excited. Yeah, right. <laughs> with with uh, a lot of namaste going around and Roger yeah. Workman. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, characters that we have met and are gone, are, are coming back. But don't worry, guys. Richard Alpert never ages. <laughs> he stays the same age and looks the same the he entire time. He drinks wizard juice. <laughs> um, oh, I'm actually looking at the wiki now. According to the wiki, it's been 92 days that they've been on the island at this point. So so close to 100. I was I was pretty, pretty close. So. Okay, so physics, so physics and math people, we've got 92 days on the island, a 31 minute uh, lag on the payload. Um, so X and Wyatt, and let, let me know how that goes, because <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, figure it out, because we, we don't know what the hell we're doing. Oh, it says that they are different by 31 minutes and 18 seconds. Okay, so then it's eight, it took 18 seconds for the payload to be fired to land on the island, according to Regina. Because it's 31 seconds. It's 31 five minutes later. It's five kilometer steps starting with 40 kilometers. Uh, la, 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 la. I'm, I'm, I, like, I, I don't know why I'm stuck on this. So I, I apologize to anybody that is officially bored with this. But I <laughs> just... I, I will say, though, when it comes to the payload, I, uh, the I, clock from the rocket, the clock from the rocket says three. Whoa, says three hours, 16 minutes and 23 seconds. I think that's the time. Daniel's clock. Oh, yeah. That's OK, the so Daniel's the time clock day. is two forty five. Oh, three clock from the rocket is three sixteen twenty three. So. It's. 31 minutes in the opposite direction. So it's 31 minutes more time in the real world and 31 minutes less time in the 
island world. Yeah, right? time mo- time moves faster outside off the island. Or it's eight seconds between Regina launching the rocket and her breaking the silence and counting down from forty kilometers away. Okay, so for oh, every my eight, gosh. so for every eight seconds, we need to get off this now. Our brains I know. are I'm going so to explode. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Our brains are going to explode. Don't if we don't press this. don't press the uh, the payload hyperlink in the Lostpedia because <laughs> it, it goes, ooh, it goes down, it goes down into like seconds and kilometers, and it's hard. Yeah, yeah don't let's uh, let's let's get on. I will say as a final thing for the uh, the payload, I did enjoy the little Back to the Future nod of mm-hmm. Daniel holding up the two clocks together. Um, yes. as Doc did in the in the first Back to the Future as well. So excellent. Um, I have one more point to make, but I'll leave it over to you to see if you have anything else that you want to talk about. No, no. All I had was 31 minute difference left. So I okay. think we've covered that. I'm just gonna All right. cross it off my list. Yeah, the only other thing I had on this um was I was a little I want to say indifferent because I wasn't mad at him for doing it, but it wasn't right. I didn't like, I was a little indifferent on Jack playing Sawyer's feelings for Kate against Kate. <laughs> um, in getting Kate to go to the cat, to, to go to the barracks. Um, you know, because he tells him like what, you know, Kat, Kate says, you know, what what makes you think I can do any better? And he's like, well, Sawyer will listen to you. Or, you know, I'm paraphrasing. Jack kind of did play on Sawyer's feelings for Kate in that moment. I, I'm not saying I hated him for it because it is smart. But... The it, love, the it, love triangle that exists with Jack, Sawyer, and Kate is probably the most annoying part of the whole series is it a triangle though because juliet's kind of in there now too. exactly so it's more exactly. like a, it's more like a rhombus Rhombus. <laughs> it's so, not even a square it's just no, gonna be a rhombus. That, that's why it's, it's a rhombus a para- it, it's a parallelogram if, yeah, if we want to talk about it because it's it's certainly not a perfect square of of these people like some lines to connect are longer than others so it's we'll call it a venn diagram there you go it's <laughs> it's a wonky para- it's a wonky parallelogram at this point of, of a love story. So, uh, but yeah, that's my, that's my only note. That's my final note for the, uh, for the episode. We, we actually talked quite a bit about this. It was episode. a good, well, it was a good episode and it's been a while, but I do feel like, uh, like so, I need so to do a major rewatch for the last couple of episodes to be properly prepared next week. I'm so glad we saved the 31, the, the, the payload for the end too, because my brain is literally leaking out of my head at this point. Well, I'll tell you, if you haven't already turned us off, thank you for staying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next episode, season four, episode four, egg town is a Kate flash forward. So we're going to see a little bit more of, uh, I think this, I think that episode focuses on uh, Kate arriving back. I think this is the, the trial. Oh yeah, that's a good episode. Yeah, um, you know which they did touch on a little bit too, which you know was kind of a sweet moment with Sawyer saying he didn't want to go home. Um, 
you know, and, and telling Kate, you know, what do you have to go home to? And then it's kind of the perfect next episode to go into. Uh, yeah. Because we're going to find out exactly what she has to go home to in this next episode. Yeah, I thought that it was really, really quite strange that she was itching to get back home as well. Yeah. So um, we have feedback this week and Yay! this episode. And that is from our buddy, Steve Brown, who always leaves us great feedback. Uh, and, but before we play that there, if you want to leave us feedback, which we encourage you to do, there are multiple ways that you can do that. Uh, first, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash lost revisited. We are on Twitter and Instagram at lost revisit pod. Uh, you can email us at lost revisited pod at gmail.com. And if you want to leave us a message, you can record it yourself and send it to our email address. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, yeah, as I mentioned, we do have feedback from our buddy Steve Brown. So let's play that now. Hey, Ben and Kristen, this is Steve. This is for uh, The Economist. I only watched it once. So um, just a couple of really quick thoughts here that I, I want to share. And uh, if I if I get a chance to watch it again, I may send uh, something else. But uh, um, I did remember, and I, I mentioned it last week, and I was so glad that I noticed it. Uh, I guess he only kills one guy on the golf course, but this is where he, where Saeed just basically murders the guy in cold blood there on the, the golf course. And uh, then we get this whole realization that Saeed is one of the Oceanic Six and that he is at, you know, we get the reveal at the end that he's working for Ben to try to find, I guess, Charles Widmore. And um, so that was interesting. Uh, it was too bad that he had to kill the, the woman, but uh, it was, you know, him or her. And uh, so I'm glad he was able to uh, uh, take care of that. But um, yeah, we're, we're seeing the dark kind of side of Saeed, but of course he's doing it uh, so that his friends will stay safe. The friends, I'm assuming he means the friends that are back on the island. Um, I can't remember exactly how this all works out. The only other thing I got for today is that I had, none of us mentioned last week that uh, Charlotte Staples Lewis uh, is, I'm sure it has to be a homage to C.S. Lewis, Clive Staples Lewis, the Christian author uh, who died uh, in 1963. So uh, it was kind of cool to have that realization when I heard uh, our episode that Ben posted when he had that little clip at the beginning. Okay, um, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I never picked up on the C.S. Lewis reference either. That's kind of cool. Well, Steve, Steve is wonderful. Yes. Uh, but thanks, Steve, for, for the feedback, as he usually leaves us. And again, we encourage you guys to leave us feedback whenever you get the chance, whether it's on you know the, the next episode, this episode, the previous episodes, future episodes. Just send us feedback, and we'll use it whenever we can. Yes, please. Um, recommendations for this week uh you know obviously other than as we mentioned at the top of the podcast to make sure you go out and vote but what kind of uh anything you want to recommend to people uh to the i am finishing a book called the girl who drank the moon it's excellent if you're looking for a kind of a fun little fantasy read i would uh highly recommend that and uh yeah and i just finished the first season of deadwood which is fantastic never which seen it before I've never seen it either, so I, I or I've never seen it, so I do need to. Uh, to, to I'll say that, that the first season is probably, and and I told you this before we started recording. It's a perfect season of television. It, I mean, just from start to finish, even right into the last shot, I 
just, I looked over at Dave and I was like, that was a perfect season of television. And he goes, yeah, I would agree with you. That and Heroes season one, both perfect seasons of television. That's that's pretty high praise. I think so. Well, I, I, well never mind. I, I Heroes season one was not perfect television to me because the finale was majorly weak. Um, but that's a topic for a whole nother day. Um, I thought that I thought hero season one was fantastic until the finale. And then the finale kind of ruined it for me, but we'll, again, we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, Deadwood is extremely good. Extremely good. I can see why a lot like everybody likes it. It's on my list to check out at some point. Uh, my, you? I have two, um, I, the the one I, I mentioned to you before we started recording is, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, Lovecraft Country is, on HBO is just phenomenal. Um, but the other show I've actually really been getting into and I've really enjoyed, especially if you are a uh, early like Star Wars fan, and it has nothing to do with Star Wars, but more the actors that are in it. There's a new series that Apple TV launched not too long ago called Long Way Up. And it is a series with um, Ewan McGregor and his friend Charlie Borman as they travel across. Um, uh, they they travel all through South America on electric motorcycles. Oh, fun! And it's their journey from uh, Argentina all the way down to uh, South America. Um, all through South America on electric motorcycles, making this journey and the places they go and the people they visit. It's, it's so engaging. And Ewan McGregor is somebody that when you watch this series, you're like, yeah, I would take a road trip with that guy any day of the week. That seems like that's a similar path to uh, Che Guevara. I don't know. From the motorcycle, from the motorcycle diaries. He was a revolutionary um, in South America. I, I'd, I'd have to look into that. That sounds interesting. Yeah, and it's it's almost similar to uh, to ride with Norman Reedus, <laughs> at the same time because he did the same thing. Like he traveled all over the world, and but he didn't travel to those places on a motorcycle. He took his motorcycle to those places and then traveled around those places. Mm-hmm. Like Ewan is actually making the journey on the motorcycle and capturing the whole thing as a television series. Love it. So, and it's electric motorcycles, which is even better because it's showing, you know, the, the care for the environment and such as, as he's doing it and, and showing that these motorcycles are just as good as any kind of motorcycle that uses, that uses gasoline. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, you know, I, I, it's, it's been, it's been a fun watch. Um, it's still ongoing. There are 10 episodes a season and the eighth episode just aired. So there are still two more episodes left to go. So um, cool. I want to make mention of something I have coming up uh, podcasting wise. I'm doing something really cool for November. I'm, I'm kind of actually really kind of excited about it. And it, it kicks off on Sunday. Uh, for those of you that don't know, there is a thing that happens in November called National Podcast Post Month in which uh, some podcasters out there, not many, because it's a very difficult challenge. Um uh, take a challenge of posting a new episode of their podcast every day for 30 days. So from November 1st through November 30th, they post a new episode of their podcast. Uh, I am taking the challenge with my showcast or with my spotlight podcast. Um, 
but I'm not doing new episodes. I'm actually replaying older ones. So I just wrapped my sixth season of that podcast. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be for the next, from November 1st to November 30th, I will be reposting older conversations I've had over the course of the past five years. So nothing from this past season, season six will be on it, but uh, a bunch from seasons one through five will be on it. And it's just to read off some of the names of interviews that you'll hear. Uh, Chris Allen, who was one of the winners of American Idol, like he's going to be the first one. Oh, I love him. Yeah, he's he was the first person I ever interviewed on the podcast. So that's that's how I'm going to be kicking it off. Um, but uh, Kevin Bigley, Kevin Murphy and Bill Corbett from Mystery Science Theater, Jimmy Simpson, comedian Todd Glass, Colin Mockery and Brad Sherwood. Reese Darby, Greg Proops, Ben Bailey, David Koechner, Tiffany Haddish, Curtis Armstrong, Creed Bratton from The Office, Rob Corddry. Like there, it's there are. It was tough for me to narrow it down to just thirty episodes. That's great. That sounds like a really fun idea. But if you want to follow along, uh, you can just subscribe to the podcast uh, on uh, app on iTunes, Google, Spotify. Just search the Spotlight with Ben Beck and sub and subscribe. Uh, this will be how I'm, I'm closing out season six and then I'll be jumping right into season seven in either December or January of 2021. So I'm excited. Excellent. What a great idea. Yep. And the Wilhelm. I wish you were doing your Halloween podcast again this year. I know. And you know, Rob and I were actually just talking about that not too long ago. That was my favorite podcast last year. We're really bummed that we can't do it this year, but between COVID happening, the pandemic happening and Rob and his wife welcoming their daughter, not maybe a month ago, it just became impossible to, to schedule. Um, I get it. I just, Wanted to throw out there that if anybody wants to listen to that, revisit it. I forget what it's called. It's still up. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, <laughs> God. How can I forget the name of my own freaking podcast? Um, uh, uh, oh, God, what the, the hell was it? Still afraid of the dark. That's still afraid of the dark. It's excellent. It gives you a cocktail. It gives you a movie that they're going to talk about. And it's all old Halloween movies that are really fun. I got really into the spirit last year. I watched all of them and, um, and I listened to the podcast, except I didn't watch one of them because I was like, that's too scary. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end they said, is it a trick or a treat? And then they had to defend it. And it was really fun. Yeah, it was a podcast. It was a limited run. It was only nine episodes in, in the first season. And uh, we did talk about it. And we are 100% decided that Tales are uh, that uh, Still Afraid of the Dark book two will be coming next season in 2021. Okay. Well, so, 2020 strikes again. Yeah. So it's, it's I still want to do a Christmas thing. I do too. I really do. I don't know if there's enough time to do it now. Um, but maybe when, when still afraid of the dark book two returns, we'll do, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do the Christmas one as well. So same format, except with holiday movies. And, and I'll be doing it. Yes. It'll be you and I. Yeah. Uh, and my Wilhelm, my film podcast, Wilhelm will be officially launching first week of December. 
Um, I've I've been narrowing down the new theme music for it and the themes and the episodes are already planned out. I've changed the format a little bit. Instead of myself and two guests, it will it will be myself and one guest every episode because uh, otherwise it's going to turn into like a two, two and a half hour podcast. And I just it's too much to do every week. Who will be your first guest? I don't know yet. <laughs> what will be your first episode? Uh, I don't know yet. Oh, this sounds I, riveting. I have a. I can't wait. <laughs> I know the episodes three and episodes four will be holiday related. Uh, episode three will be unorthodox Christmas movies. So Christmas movies that you might not necessarily consider to be Christmas movies. Die Hard. Die Hard. Um, <laughs> Die Hard, Gremlins, Lethal Weapon. Um, you know, Bad Santa could possibly even fit into that too. And then and then episode four, which will be airing right around Christmas time, we will do like holiday favorites. So Home Alone. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> Home Alone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. I watched it like maybe I've, 50 I've, times last I've year. Never, I've never heard anybody sing Home Alone to the A-Team theme, but <laughs> that uh that works. Whatever. That could so, be our, our music going out. <laughs> so yeah. So oh God. So there is definitely a lot happening uh with Next Level and the pot and the Next Level Podcast Network. Uh the nextlevelnetwork.com is where you can find all the information if you already forgot. So but yeah, I'm excited about the spotlight doing 30 days of podcasts and Wilhelm launching. Ooh. And yeah, going from there. So, all right. But unless you have any final words. Nothing. I got nothing. nothing. It's good to be. It, it was good to be doing this again. I agree. So, and as I mentioned at the top, we, we, we think we've got it down now where we're going to be able back, be able to do this weekly. Again. So it's, it's looking good that that's going to happen. Yeah. So, uh, but with that being said, again, season four, episode four, uh, next week or next episode of the podcast. Until that time, though, we'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care. Bye-bye. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back!